Good morning. All right. I love the podium, but I'm going to move it closer. All right. That's called making yourself at home, you know. As uh, Pastor Sean was or, uh, talking about uh, tomorrow night, I was standing in the back and listening to him explain the meeting, and it, it sounded like uh, he said, tomorrow night or Monday night, we're going to have beers with Dan Lee. And he was saying leaders, but the way I was back there with the furnace, and I was like, beers with Dan Lee? That's an interesting concept, you know. Uh, and, and it just reminded me of the scripture that I wanted to put in your heart to begin with, um, Luke chapter 8, verse 18, says this, be careful how you hear. Turn to somebody and say, hearing is your responsibility. Be careful how you hear. See, there's a lot of things being said right now on every level, personal, family, community, politically, spiritually, every sphere, there is a lot being said. There's a lot more to be said. And how you hear is incredibly important because you hear through a filter. You bring your own filter with you, your theology, your pain, your life experience, your circumstances, your offenses. Turn to somebody and say, are you mad at me? I've been married 31 years and I've noticed something, that there are times when if I have not been a careful husband and communicated with my wife in a way that uh, protects her heart, I can step unknowingly into a minefield. And no matter what I say, it gets the wrong reaction. Because my wife isn't responding to what I just said. She's responding to an accumulated pain in her heart. Turn to somebody and say, uh, leave your trash in the garbage. You see, turn to somebody and say, hearing is your responsibility. Realize I am saying so much more than you think I'm saying. 
Because, say it with me, hearing is your responsibility. And that is the focus this morning. I'm going to say a lot more than most of you will simply get. Turn to somebody and say this. Sometimes when you don't hear, it's because it's not for you. I, I remember the first time I went to the Toronto Revival back in the 90s. Some of you will remember that outpouring in the 90s. And the first time I went up there, I got in the environment and I fell asleep. And I had driven nine hours and I thought, suddenly I was exhausted. And uh, I was like, wow, the drive took a lot out of me Um Maybe uh, I should just go to the hotel and sleep and start again tomorrow. And so I did. I went back and crashed at the hotel and came back because I was going to be there for five days or six days. And that night I had this dream. And in the dream, I was on a baseball field and I was playing softball, not hardball, softball. Turn to somebody and say, God knows how to play both. Yeah, yeah. And I was out in the outfield, and the big, this big, strong batter came up, and they hit a line drive right at me. And it was a big softball coming right at me. Turn to somebody and say this. When it comes right at you, you're supposed to catch it. Turn to somebody else and say, be careful how you hear. And you know what? I'm all ready to catch it, but it went right over my head. Turn to somebody and say, I think that went over your head. I'm teaching you something about God right now. Turn to somebody and say, God doesn't talk the way you talk. When God talks, it requires you to think. I remember when I moved to where I live now and was considering getting involved in a business activity uh, that would have kind of depended on the participation of the local church and their, their structure. And, and I kind of dropped some hints to the senior leader and asked if he thought that we should do that or it'd be a good investment. And he, basically his reply was very much kind of no response, you know, just walls. But then a little later, his response 
was a part two, and it was, God never makes it easy, does he? And his point was, you want me to tell you something that's going to make you not have to have faith. You want me to tell you something that causes you to rely on me and my commitment. But this is a situation where you need to hear God for you. Any single people here? Turn to somebody and say this, if they've got their hand up. Dan isn't going to prophesy about your future partner. Turn to somebody and say, you have to hear God for yourself. Because you see, if you get a word about that from me, in an area that that is that emotional, that personal, that specific, then your faith will be in me more than God. And when it gets hard, the temptation becomes, he gave me a wrong word. Turn to somebody and say, don't blame the messenger. Turn to somebody else and say, be careful how you hear. Turn to somebody else and say, test everything. Hold on to what is good. Are you hearing me today? I love the gifts of the Spirit, and I hate the church's reaction to them. Do you, you get it? God does these amazing things. He gives us these gifts, and we respond oftentimes with laziness, presumption, and immaturity. They are to help us walk by faith, not to replace faith. Turn to somebody and say, he's not playing nice today. <laughs> I'm hungry to see the church mature. And it's not just a passion, it's a necessity. I've worked with lots of young people. And one of the things that uh, I've noticed, especially about 17 or 18 through 23, 24, 25, is the sheer number of times that an individual hears God tell them this is the person you're supposed to marry. The only problem is every time it's a different person. Yeah. Turn to somebody and say this. 
The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's the book of James. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Turn to somebody else and say this. Double-mindedness equals immaturity. Maturity is revealed by stability. Even when we don't get it. Even when we don't understand. Because there are dark seasons in our lives. And there are dark seasons ahead for you, for this church, for this nation, for the earth. There are dark times and it's so important that we grow up in this season or we will be shaken to the point of destruction, shaken to the point of loss. There are many good things God has for us that we will not receive because we did not grow up. God says, I would have, but you didn't. And it's, that's why he says things like, be careful how you hear. Listen well. Respond maturely. Engage with God. Engage in prayer. Pay the price to mature. I have two sons. I love them both. They're amazing young men. The younger one, recently, he likes YouTube. Any YouTube fans here? He's on YouTube Maybe a little more than his father would like, but he's watching mostly good stuff. But one of the things that uh, he started watching was a lot of videos of men with muscles, weight rooms, diets and exercise. And these guys with, they're not even six packs, they're 12 packs. You know, they're just, and, and, bothers me, but I've been watching the fruit as I pray for him, because I pray for him a lot, and I speak to it a lot. I don't just ignore it. That's a brief parenting lesson, and I father him, but what I've discovered is that he has begun to pay a price. He has begun to discipline Himself. Turn to someone and say, discipline begins inside of you. He has begun to commit to a lifestyle of training to be healthy. And I've been blessed and even challenged a couple times by what he has said no to. Turn to someone and say this. 
Maturity is knowing when to say no. Maturity isn't impulse. Rarely is it impulse. Maturity is primarily discipline with freedom to be flexible. Many people have confused being spirit-led with being unfocused. And that's not what it is to be spirit-led. The spirit of God produces self-discipline. Second Timothy 1, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit that produces power, love, and self-discipline or self-control or a sound mind, depending on which version you read. But they all speak of a structured mind a mind that is focused. Turn to someone and say this, you can have a plan and still be led by the Spirit. You see, God has just as much ability to tell you a year in advance as he does a day in advance. The benefit of telling you a year in advance is so that you can pray, prepare, and build a plan. Turn to somebody and say, he's helping you. It's, it's a season where you are needed but not in the way that you are thinking for many of you. You are needed to grow. You are needed to mature and to learn to obey. To obey God. To do what he says. Because you see, the, an empowered church has the ministries of the structured church, the, the organization called the church, but it also has the ministry of your life. Turn to someone and say, you are a full-time minister. Turn to someone else and say, God has an assignment for you. There is so much need for many of you to be a Christian out there. We're all Christians out there. Some of us have more of a function in the local congregational structure and others of us, our real calling is in the community, in the neighborhood, in the school, in the business, in the government. And the more we understand that, and understand being supernatural is a lifestyle, not a moment in a service. Then we take the kingdom of God out there and the church grows. 
The church grows when the church acts like the church. I love good meetings, but if the church is limited to good meetings, we have a problem. Every one of us has been entrusted with gift and resources and influence that are a part of God's plan to extend his kingdom. Imagine, how many of you like fireworks? I've, I've watched lots of fireworks. They have the ones that just, they make a big bright light and they go boom. They have the ones that are like sparklers and it's just, then a bunch of them shooting up. And then they have the ones that they begin to arc out and they explode and 10 more arcs go out from there and then they explode and a few shoot off of there. Turn to somebody and say this. Which firework are you? My favorite part of the fireworks display is the grand finale. You know what I'm talking about? Those last five minutes of the fireworks display when everything is going off and the whole sky is ablaze with different things exploding and each firework contains its own sphere where it goes in multiple directions and changes the color of the sky. Turn to somebody and say, he's not talking about fireworks. Talking about you, every person here, God is sending you into the darkness and you are intended to light up the sky and to display his glory. Some of you are called to be that one big explosion in one spot and it's just a big bright blinding boom. Others of you will be the one that just many little spheres of influences. And then there'll be the other that explodes and in 10 different directions they touch light up and extend and then off of that even more like a spider web. That is God's plan for you. Turn to somebody and say this. It's time to go boom. It's, you see, being mature means you're not a dud. You know what a dud is? I used to play with fireworks a lot. Like to the point of uh, not terrorism, but certainly vandalism, you know. So, you know, I mean, I was a bit of a wild child, you know, and, and we would have all these fireworks and things that exploded and we would take them apart and make bigger things because we weren't satisfied with firecrackers. Turn to somebody and say,
start dreaming of bigger things. But to make bigger things out of smaller things, sometimes you have to take them apart. Turn to somebody and say, did that go over your head? Jesus said it this way. If you want new wine, you need new wineskins. We took firecrackers apart and made new wineskins that could hold more wine, bigger wine. But every now and then, as we would be using them, you light the match, and it would, you're expecting boom, and you get, and it just, you get a little puff of smoke. And then you look at it and I was expecting more. Turn to some, we called those a dud. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus didn't call you to be a dud. You see, you might be in a season where you're being taken apart so you can be created differently. That's a good thing. So I'm not talking about how busy you are. I'm talking about what you are building with the life and resources you've been given. Yeah. Because you've been entrusted with more than you understand. And the more you invite God into that something, the more you make boom a reality. And the process at times can be slow. The process at times can be difficult, even scary. I still remember taking apart a bunch of things and making a nice pile of gunpowder only to have it flash in my face. And I'm running through the woods with my hair glowing and my eyebrows floating through the air. Turn to someone and say this. Learning can be painful. But we still need to learn. How many of you have ever tried to do something for God that didn't work out so well? How many of you, when that happened, struggled with doing anything else for God. I don't want to do that again. That hurt. See, when you get hurt, you pull back. And you walk in fear. And you either overcome that fear and grow, or you become paralyzed by that fear, and you become a dud. 
And you see, God wants to help us to grow. As I was praying for you, I walked in, started thinking about being careful how we hear. And I was thinking about what happens with our hearing and how we hear. And I got three little phrases with that. The first one is don't miss it. When we hear, it can go right over our head. And we don't really hear. How many of you have children? How many have ever said something to a child, even directly, like within five feet, and two minutes later, they have no idea that you were even communicating with them? Turn to somebody and say, are you that way with the Lord? Don't miss it. The second comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.20 that says, do not despise prophetic utterances. And so the first one is don't miss it. The second one is don't diss it. Don't diss it. Don't disrespect what you hear. You see, there are people even right now that this is not your style of delivery for a Sunday morning. There's probably at least one or two or more people that you're kind of almost even offended because he's not preaching in a traditional manner. Turn to somebody and say, be careful how you hear. God will not always cooperate with your style with your preference. You know, I've learned to hear God through my children when they say things that I don't want to hear, but they say that thing that has just the right edge from the Lord that I can't run away from it. Any of you have teenagers that speak the truth? even when the truth is uncomfortable, because sometimes we don't really want the truth. We are comfortable in our ways, our routines, our family culture. And from the time we got married, my wife and I, we, we realized that we were coming from two different worlds, very different worlds. And we knew we would have disagreements and we haven't always succeeded in this, but we made a decision 31 years ago when there was a difference, we would always reach for the higher standard. That would be what told us which path when there's a difference between us in what we think is important. Which standard calls us higher? And you see, that is one of the best safeguards if you can accept that in this moment, my spouse is reaching for a higher standard than I am. It's time for me to grow up. 
Turn to someone and say, be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. God spoke through a donkey because the man of God wouldn't hear any other way. Turn to somebody and say, don't make God send you a donkey. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? He's trying to call us higher. But when we are entrenched in a bad habit, a wound, a, a lifestyle, a wrong doctrine, whatever it is, whenever we get entrenched in these things, we get stuck. And God is at work to bring us to maturity. Jesus told his own disciples in the book of John, I believe it's 16, John 16, he says, there are many things that I want to say to you that you are not ready to hear. Turn to somebody and say, was, was he talking to you? See, when I, when I have you, I must confess, when I have you turn and speak to somebody like that, I learn a lot about you. Because when I have you turn and say something to the person near you and your heart is clean in that area, you have no trouble saying it. But when I give you something difficult like that, to say, and suddenly you form a neck injury. I know that somebody in that relationship doesn't want to hear. Turn to somebody and say, don't make God send you a donkey. He doesn't want to send you a donkey because you know what? That's almost an insult. You could be talking to your father. You could be talking to your bridegroom. Because that's who he wants to be in your life. But when you won't listen to your father, your bridegroom, or your friend, he'll resort to the donkey. Do you get it? See, God wants a more intimate friendship with you. He wants a more deep, meaningful relationship with you. But many of us, we want to hold on to so much mixture, so much a little God here and a little bit of the world there or flesh, self-centered things. And so we can't hear the one we're married to. We can't hear our father. We can't hear our friend. So God says, fine. I've tried all the relational means. So now I will go to extreme means because I care for you too much to leave you believing. And... He cares for us too much to leave us deceived, to leave us living below what he wants for us. And so 
after trying all of the more relational, gentle means, finally he just blows up the situation. He says, fine. It's the same concept as the person whose doctor tells them for years, no carbs, no sugar, get more sleep and avoid caffeine. And they ignore it for 10 years. And then suddenly they've got heart problems and blood pressure issues. And, and the doctor says, I tried to tell you for the last decade that change needs to happen. And I'm not talking about your diet. That's, that's elementary school. God is after something so much deeper because if he has your heart, you'll deal with things like your diet joyfully. And I'm talking as somebody who regularly struggles in that area. My lifestyle as a student and a traveling minister doesn't cooperate with fitness and good health. It's the reality, I sit for hours a day doing schoolwork. Hours and hours. And I have to make myself get up and move and work and eat, eat differently and exercise. So my weight goes up and down depending on my travel schedule and my school schedule. But that's little league. God is after your heart. Turn to someone and say, be careful how you hear. So don't miss it, don't diss it, don't disrespect it, and third, don't twist it. How many of you have ever had an experience where you say something to someone and when they talk about it later, you say, that's not what I said. Raise your hands high. There was such a unanimous atmosphere. I want you to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the reality. We do that with God. Today and tomorrow, I'll prophesy over people and they will tell their friends something different than what I said. Turn to somebody and say, inflation is a church problem. Nobody ever makes the word smaller. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You get a prophetic word from somebody or God tells you very, very few people Talk about that and make it smaller than what was said, unless it was a correction. But we do make it bigger. Wow. God said, I'm going to be amazing. And what God really said was no, you're not going to backslide. For some of us, that is amazing, but 
be careful how you hear. Turn to somebody and say, stability equals church. Don't twist it. Don't make it something it's not. You see, that's a problem right now in the news. That's a problem in the church. That's a problem in our families. You see, I talked earlier about the pain that we carry in our hearts and how that affects our hearing. That's what causes us to twist things. And we make them things they aren't. I love you. How could you say that to me? What? I said I love you. No, it's the way you said it. You didn't mean it. I'm sorry, I just took a breath. And then I had a talk with my younger teen the other night. He's, God was dealing in his heart about some things. And, and he said, Dad, because I was holding on to a couple of areas that I, I needed to grow in, I needed to get free from, and I, I was feeling some shame about it, when you would say, you're proud of me, I couldn't believe it. And I would hear, no, he's not. You see, First John, I believe it's chapter 3, around verse 20, 22, says if your conscience condemns you, you don't have confidence before God. You see, when you hold things inside that you are not processing rightly with God, either through repentance or forgiveness of others, the end result is it disrupts your internal psyche. It in interrupts your ability to relate to God. It interrupts your ability to relate to family. One of the other family decisions my wife and I made from the beginning is that we would kiss each other goodnight every night as long as we were not sick and we were both in the same home. You know, like I travel and if I'm gone, that's not, or not possible unless you enjoy kissing the screen of FaceTime or something, you know. You know, you get my point is if we're physically able, we would kiss each other goodnight and say, I love you. You know how hard that is to do when you're angry with someone? But it changed how we process anger. That commitment reduced our prison sentences. You see, when you get a division between you and someone else. It's like a prison. Proverbs says a brother offended is harder to be won than a walled city. And so we create this barrier in the relationship internally. And that simple act of a kiss on the lips and a declaration 
I love you. It may not clear the whole thing out, but it, it takes the intensity of the emotion out of it. And that's what helps you let it go. It's when emotions are still full force that we can't get past things. And so learning to do that which reduces the emotions of something. And I, I, as I consider even this service this morning, I need to reiterate the, the, the words of Jesus and John 16, where he said, I have more to say to you than you're able to bear this morning. Because at some point we can't keep taking in and the words have an effect. So I'm going to shift gears and just give a few prophetic nuggets. I think they're going to be life-giving for some people. Thank you, Lord. I've been in relationship with Sean and the church for a long time now, coming in and out and watching the seasons and just paying attention to what I feel God is doing with you from season to season. And oftentimes my experience as I come is part of the message to you. And last night we, I got to spend a little time with Sean and Stephanie and a few others down in Boston at this fundraising gala. And it was, it was a big shindig fundraising party type thing. And good food, fancy clothes, a lot of strangers that I don't know. So, you know, just hanging out and just being there and having the party. And, but it was in Boston. And my hotel that I had booked before that I knew I was going there was somewhere here in uh, Nashua, Miramac area. And so after the party, I had to drive from there to there, you know, and, and my GPS doesn't play fair. If I remembered New England the way I used to when I lived here, I would have known, all right, take this road and this road, but I was dependent on the GPS and the GPS thinks it knows where it's taking you. but I plugged in the directions and it's taking me through all of these small town back roads in the dark, north of Boston, through the wilderness of New Hampshire, instead of highways. It finally put me on a highway about five miles away. And I was like, what is this? And as I walked in this morning, I heard this after the party, there's always 
the drive home. Turn to somebody and say, be careful how you hear. After the party, there's always the drive home. You see, in the life of a church, there are seasons. And you have had a party season. But you're on the drive home. And because it's a party at an unfamiliar destination and you're going to another unfamiliar destination, you don't know where you're really going. And you need to deal with that. You need to understand that you don't know what you think you know. And just as I was driving and occasionally I saw something recognizable that could give me my bearings and help me say, okay, I'm still going the right direction. I get it. Have you ever been following one of those roads where there's highway markers, highway 58, highway three, whatever, and they don't put them close enough together for you to not fall into doubt that you're still on the right way? Anybody, how many of you have had that experience? You're, you're driving along and, and you, you think you're still headed the right way. Turn to somebody and say, be careful how you hear. I'm talking to you about this church and your relationship to it. Be careful how you hear because you don't see enough signs and you need to get ready for the uncomfortable part of the process. Get, okay, I'm gonna trust and keep driving. That's for some of your families. That's for the church. You're headed for something, but it's new wineskin. It's not gonna look like some of the things that you think are in your future. It's good. Turn to somebody and say, good, but different. See, when I went to that party, I flew all day. I traveled from Kansas City, went to the Boston airport. And I texted Sean from the parking garage. I said, Sean, I might not come because I've had a wardrobe malfunction. See, because I had been on another trip right beforehand, I had communicated with my wife and said, can you pack this particular suit and shirt and tie so that I can have it for the event? And she did her best to pack for me, but she grabbed 
the wrong shirt. So here I am in the parking garage in the basement of the Hyatt, discreetly hiding behind cars, changing clothes, and, and I grab the white shirt that's supposed to look so nice under the jacket, and the buttons only reached about here. And the sleeves stopped about here. And I felt like the Hulk for a moment. We could have been the superhero guys, yeah. He went as uh, Tony Stark and so. But, but what I realized is the clothing I wanted to wear didn't fit. Turn to somebody and say, be careful how you hear. The clothing that I thought was the right fit was too small for me. Turn to someone and say, be careful how you hear. This is a season where things that you thought were the right fit, you're going to discover they don't fit you anymore. And in that moment, I had to completely reevaluate what I was going to wear to this event. And I didn't know what the event was like. I was very uncomfortable, I was nervous, because I didn't know if I had clothing that was gonna make the setting. And that is the word of the Lord to you. You don't know what you are stepping into in the season in front of you, and it is going to require responsive readjustment. I seem to always show up either when you are entering into this building or exiting this building. And you're exiting. And I am gonna tell you, I don't know what it is, but before the announcements, I was standing in the back and I heard the Lord highlight um, the Christmas festival. I heard those words, Christmas festival. And then you started announcing Christmas at the crossing. And I need to tell you, the clothing might be too small. It's the right idea but God has a bigger heart for that Christmas festival than you do, I think. And you need to start asking the Lord how you can quickly come up with a new wardrobe that fits what God has invited you to do. Because God wants to touch this region and he is inviting you to lead the way 
in introducing love, family, community, the power of God in an integrated way that this region has never seen. This region has never seen the church the way God wants to introduce the church. And he wants to use you to do it, but your clothing is too small. And so God is going to show you new concepts. You see, when you don't, when your plan doesn't fit, I had to open up my suitcase there in the parking lot while everybody's passing by wanting to know if they have my parking space. And I'm like, no, you can't. I'm not leaving. I'm just changing. Be careful how you hear. I'm just changing, but I don't know what I'm changing into. And so I had to look at the available resources. I'm teaching you more than you realize. I had to open my suitcase and look at the available resources. What is in here that is big enough and fits the occasion? And I had to go through and say, all right, this is the only jacket I have and I need a jacket. The pants, they work with the jacket. What shirt? You see, some things fit, others didn't. Some things work together, others don't. And so I had to go through and say, what shirt fits the occasion and the body? The occasion and the body. Turn to somebody and say, you have a weird shaped body. Anybody ever feel that way? My body isn't shaped like it used to be. I traded a six pack for a keg. Let the hearer understand, you know. Yeah. But my point is, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your body. Don't be insecure in this moment. This is not time to be insecure about you. This is time to think beyond you to you. You have a weird shaped body and you need the right fit that matches the occasion. And God is ready to mobilize you. Think of this Christmas event not as a one-time event, but like a birth. It is a birth of a new season of community engagement. And God wants to show you how to engage with your community differently. I heard the words mobilization. I heard the word outreach. I heard the word collaboration. And then the, as Josiah was making announcements, he said a phrase, and as soon as I heard it, I felt that it was the Holy Spirit for this season. He was talking about um, reading a scripture before changing the order of the service. And he said, we're gonna read the scripture before we transition. 
And immediately I heard the phrase, the things we do in transition. You as a church are in a transition season, not a static season, not a fixed season. You are in a transition season and you need to identify areas of focus and engagement that need to happen on the way through transition so that when you fully engage with the new season, you produce what God is inviting you to produce. So Father, I just welcome you this morning and I lift up each person who is driving through the dark, trying to find their way to that new season. Father God, I thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. I thank you for the authority of your spirit that is available to people. God wants to give you authority in the midst of uncertainty where your confidence is in God, not information. Because God is a faithful leader. So Father, right now for each person who's wrestling to find their way, wrestling to uh, stay engaged with a stable heart. See, the enemy has tried to shake some of you loose from the congregation. I don't know anything in the natural, but I'm gonna tell you what I just saw as I was talking. As I was talking to you, imagine one of those giant uh, platforms that swings that where everyone climbs on and then tries to hold on while it's swinging. If there's 50 people on a swinging platform, the people in towards the inside they're safe, they're held in. But those 10 or 15 people that are wrapped around the very edges, the more radical the swing, the more in danger of getting thrown off of the platform they are because they're on the edges. And that's what I saw as I was talking to you about two seconds ago is there are some of you that the swings that are taking place have left you unstable and insecure and the enemy is trying to cause you to lose your grip so that you disengage from the body, so that you fall away and you end up in isolated woundedness. And that is not God's heart for you. God wants you in his family and he wants to give you the grace and the strength to be relationally connected, functionally connected and spiritually connected so that you have family and that you can serve and be served, love and be loved. So Father, for those people right now, I'm asking first that you would help them not miss what I just said to them. Those that are in danger right now, you would stabilize and comfort them 
where there is offense, help them forgive. Where there is misunderstanding, help them communicate. Where there is disappointment and delay, give them persevering faith and fresh vision. You were brought here by God. You are not an accidental participant. And so I just bless you. And I say, Father God, help each one be anchored deeply in a heart full of joy and a spirit full of faith. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.